My Year of Bad Sex, written and read by me, Jonathan Izard. Part 10. Things with Angelo were far from clear. To me. Maybe they were to him. I was trying to dampen down any thoughts of relationship or boyfriend, as that clearly was not an offer. But what exactly was, well, that was harder to define. He was trying to set up another forehands massage, but the night he was free I'd already arranged hook-ups with other guys. He seemed a little upset to hear that. Of course, Mr. Jonty, it's your choice, your life. I told him I would rather spend time with him, and I'd cancel the others. He was insistent I shouldn't. He said he hated it when someone did that to him. I agreed. It happened far too often. I felt trapped, trying to be the good guy, but juggling too many balls. Not just metaphorically. Angelo said he'd be free on Friday and Saturday, so I asked which of those nights did he want us to arrange something. Both. Really? He was that keen? But not on me, only for a tripartite congress. We met for a meal. I offered to pay, but he was uncomfortable with that. He was twenty-four and didn't earn much doing long shifts and sharing a room to survive. He accepted the plate of pasta on condition that he could buy me a drink. Fine. We went to a couple of bars on a fishing trip, so he could try to spot someone he'd like us both to get our hands on. At the first venue I had to admit there were some sexy men, but he said that for him they were much too young. At the next they were older, right for him, but not for me. I felt disengaged from the whole process. I had never liked fishing, even though my dad tried to get me interested, like those boxing gloves for Christmas. Daddy, I'm just not that sort of boy. I didn't need a third body. It was Angelo's flesh I wanted to feast on. But as they say, one man's meat is another man's poisson. Our trawl produced no catch, so I escorted him to his bus stop and waited until the 77 arrived. I felt protective and sort of parental in a sick, perverted kind of way. Earlier in the bar he'd asked me what I would look like with a beard. I showed him some photos on my phone from a couple of years back, me with a big bushy fuzz. He looked at the screen and then at me. Yes, he said. I like it. I like it. I prefer you with. But, he considered it, maybe two or three sizes smaller. Oh, sweet. So sweet. At the bus stop, the sexiest part of the evening happened. As we stood side by side, I slipped my hand inside the waistband of his jeans at the back, squeezing the soft curve of his bum. Delicious. But no response from Angelo. No sense of whether he even liked it or didn't like it. Later that week, a work colleague asked me, Lost your razor, Jonty? No, I said. This is Angelo's beard. He prefers me this way. Oh, yes? And who's this Angelo? Um, I'm not sure, really. The next day we had a meeting for a four hands with someone called Nigel. From the photo Angelo showed me I wasn't that excited, but I set up the table in the bedroom this time, shifting furniture to accommodate it, and prepared the oils, towels, music, and so on. Angelo arrived bang on 6.30 as agreed, doing his usual coy thing of offering his cheeks to be kissed without engaging his own lips. I patted his sweet brown tummy. As usual, I wasn't sure if this was welcome or not, so I didn't persist. Without encouragement, I felt as if I was molesting him. Nigel arrived, he was a nice man, and, as I'd suspected, sexy to Angelo and not to me. Sex appeal, eh? What a mystery. 
Him, we say to our friends. Hmm, yes, looks nice. Thinking, really? Occasionally, after I've sent my usual sorry but it's not a match message, someone will ask why. No, don't do that. It's only going to get messy. Just accept that you're not my type. It's not a conversation that can end well. Every dialogue had to be civilised when I was a lad. Even my mother's instructions on how to avoid paedophilia were in the best British middle-class tradition. If a strange man offers you sweets, say, no thank you, and run home quickly. Always the thank you. Of course, I never asked, what if he offers me a blowjob? What would Mum make of the dating scene now? It wouldn't be the chems and the casual fucking that would appall her, but the sad decline in manners. One young man, Robbie, sent me a woof, and I declined politely. Robbie wasn't accepting my refusal without a quetch. It's always the same, every time. When I like someone, they never like me. It sucks. Well, good luck, I texted. There'll be someone soon for you, I'm sure. Doubt it. A few minutes' silence. Why, then? Why what? Why don't you like me? Look, Robbie, attraction is such a personal thing, isn't it? So hard to quantify. Am I too young? No, Robbie, you look... Jesus, what did he look? He looked fat and miserable. There were three photos of himself in his profile. Two were almost identical, same chubby face with the same sulky expression from the same angle and wearing the same blue shirt. The only difference I could see was that in one he had a red spot on his cheek. Quite a large spot. The sort that comes when you've squeezed a small spot. In the third picture he was wearing a latex puppy mask, but probably still grumpy underneath. Oh, more on puppies later, incidentally. The words in Robbie's profile were very specific. Into rimming, pissing, wanking, fucking, drinking, tie me up, can't I come? You look... lovely. Silence for a few minutes. But I couldn't leave it at that. I wanted him to hear this from a good guy, not from a bastard. But, Robbie, I wonder if you might smile in some of your pics. A nice, welcoming face counts for a lot, you know. Wouldn't make a difference. It might, Robbie. You don't know. Worth trying? No. And your profile tells me what you're into sexually, but nothing about the kind of guy you are to spend time with. You know what sort of music you listen to, hobbies, sports, favourite foods, TV programmes, books, etc. All right, books might have been unrealistic, but even if it was only Harry Bloody Potter. Or why you like being a puppy. Long silence. Nobody likes me. The echoes of despair resonated. I'd tried. How much did I want to get involved? Not even this much, to be honest. It's not charity work. But I still wonder if he thought about what I'd said and changed his profile or his photos. At least have one without a spot. I hope so. Angelo, Nigel and I had a glass of wine and talked about dementia. As you do. Well, we all had some experience of it, professionally or personally, so it seemed as suitable a topic as any. There were laughs and funny stories to swap, and it felt a perfectly pleasant way to spend half an hour, as if with neighbours or friends of friends, but with the added dimension that we'd soon all be fucking. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Massaging naked, at least. Angelo was the one to suggest we move on. He had a number 77 to catch, of course. 
Heaven forbid he should stay the night with me. Nigel had a good body to work on with some nicely gym-turned muscles. Angelo joined in after a while, copying my strokes and improvising some of his own. I made sure Nigel was covered with a towel at all times, but Angelo and I did tease him with the extent of our effleurage. Eventually the towels came off, to reveal an absolutely massive, uncut, curved cock. Amazing! I got it nicely hard, not difficult, and then offered it to Angelo for first suck. After you. No, please, I insist. Politeness at all times. I didn't wait long, though, for my own mouthful. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to document every touch and suck and kiss. Suffice it to say, I rimmed Angelo and slapped his bum hard. He does like that. We both enjoyed sucking Nigel's cock. Nigel and I both sucked Angelo, and there was some sucking of mine. But, and this really bothers me, I didn't stay hard. I even nipped out for a pee and took another blue pill. Either way, it didn't deliver the cock I wanted. I felt embarrassed, ashamed, disappointed. Why? Angelo is so fucking sexy. Nigel had an incredible cock, but I stayed semi-hard. Even when the two of them sucked me, something in my head didn't allow me to get into it. I didn't feel worthy. So odd, so horrible, so confusing. We moved, as anticipated, onto the bed. Angelo loved sucking Nigel's massive dick and wanted me to film him doing it, but it needed more light, so I switched it on. Nigel instantly put his face under a pillow. Something had shifted. Angelo sort of snuggled into Nigel's shoulder, and I felt envious. I wanted to be his protector, his daddy. After a while, Nigel said, "'Can I be honest with you guys? This isn't really what I want.' The massage was terrific, really erotic, but this isn't doing it for me. He also wasn't hard now. Angelo was. We discussed what to do. Well, I'm meeting my friend at ten o'clock in Victoria, and I cannot walk with this. He indicated the impediment. So he lay on his back on the table, clutching both our cocks. I quickly wanked him until he came, and then bent to suck the last drops of cum out of him. It felt lovely. Proprietorial, if you like. His cum was mine, not Nigel's and we all understood that. They left together shortly afterwards, both walking to the tube. I presumed walking wasn't such a problem now. I grilled some fish and made a salad, adding some pomegranate seeds, which made me feel really exotic. I got two texts, one from each of them, saying thank you for a nice experience and asking if the other was okay. So sweet, so well-behaved, so comme il faut. My friend Thora, who's in her mid-eighties, thinks this online dating could be dangerous. "'Because I'll get my heart broken,' I said. "'No, dear, because these strangers might be axe murderers.' "'Oh, yes, I hadn't thought of that.' "'Someone called Kyle liked me on Tinder, and I reciprocated. "'He looked smiley, solid, a grown-up.' We chatted easily about all kinds of things, and when he found out what I did for a living, he made a point of tuning in to not one of my news bulletins, but all of them. And all the summaries. I kept telling him to stop listening and go out. He was Canadian, with one German parent and one Barbadian, and in London for ten days. But there he was, listening to me, and texting like crazy. Canada was in the news, so I was able to plonk the word just for him. We joked about how good our relationship was after all this time, nine hours or something, and then it was twelve, sixteen, twenty-four, a complete day of online chatting and no hint of an argument. On Wednesday we met at six at Covent Garden tube station. I knew his face as soon as he appeared around the corner. We went for a coffee and seven dials. 
then a drink at Rupert Street, and after that a meal at Ballon's in Soho. Talking and talking and talking. It was so easy, so many laughs. Much agreement about politics and art, therapy, law, etc., etc. I referenced Oliver a few times. He mentioned the split with his ex. We paid each other compliments about humour and character, but did we fancy each other? I wasn't sure. When he went to the loo, I quickly swallowed a blue pill, just in case. Well, after the massage the other day with two huge cocks when mine didn't stay hard, I didn't want to repeat non-performance. Finally, at 2.30am, we walked out of the restaurant. Kyle's sense of direction was hopeless, so I walked with him to Holborn Tube, where he finally knew where he was and how to get to his hotel. There was no invitation to go back for a coffee or anything else, and so we hugged. I said, Oh, you'd be so nice to cuddle. Well, cuddle, he said, but as we parted. Really? How? When? He was going back to Toronto in a few days. Another disappearing Canadian? That again? We had a quick, dry kiss on the lips, just a chaste goodnight. His lips were wonderfully soft. I got a taxi home. Angelo was keen to do another forehands treatment, not with Nigel, he was looking for another willing body, but he was off to Italy for a week, so I had plans for solo work too. I checked my diary, there were several men pencilled in as possible clients, James, Raoul, Tommy, Carlos, Andy. I had no idea who Andy was. Or Carlos, actually. Raoul was the one with powerful quads that I wanted to get my hands on. James was a young, slim accountant, and Tommy was a pilot from Hong Kong. One by one, all the potential dates faded away. Raoul had a Christmas party. James had something else he needed to do. In other words, a hotter date than me. Fair enough. Carlos said he wasn't available after all, and the others didn't respond. I went to the gym instead. Lovely, friendly Soho gym had been subsumed by a massive chain and was now pure evil. It was grim and sterile. No staff, no welcome, no towels, laughter, eye contact, smiles, chat, encouragement, hugs... It was cheap, but not cheerful. But it was two minutes from home and open 24 hours a day, so really there was no excuse not to go and stay in the best shape I could, now that I seemed to have a sex life again. I got a few nice comments too, and I felt okay about the way I looked. Not bad for a gentleman of a certain age. I went to a drinks reception at a hotel near the BBC to celebrate an award for a radio programme I'd made. I was feeling high and buzzy, elated by the success and proud of our achievement. It was a warm and satisfying occasion. Kyle was still in town, and he came to the tail end of the evening to meet me. It was pleasant to introduce him to the media folk. It was almost like having a... what's the word? A boyfriend. I felt proud of my colleagues, of the programme, of the award, and of Kyle. I took him into New Broadcasting House and showed him around the newsroom, introduced him to some of my colleagues. He was very impressed with everything and was cheerful and complimentary. I noticed a tiny note of irritation in me that his default was jokey flippancy. He was funny, though, witty, sharp and inventive, and he paid me so many compliments. I ran out of ways to thank him. We went for a meal. I treated him as he was a guest in my city, on the understanding that he would treat me when I'm in your city. Deal. We say these things, but how much of it is serious? Any? Some? None? We left the restaurant and walked. He, not knowing London and having a rubbish sense of direction, just padded along beside me. 
I was walking us closer and closer to my flat. Then I stopped and pointed. I live just here. Do you want to come in for a coffee? He was keen. We had the coffee. And some wine. We were chatting away and laughing. A hand touched a leg or an arm. We slumped lower and lower on the sofa. Eventually, I said, Shall we just have a cuddle? I was worried I'd miss the chance. And even though our chat, online and off, hadn't been X-rated or even flirty, his comment about being jealous of Rupert my teddy bear gave me the confidence. Kyle said, Yes. The hug and cuddle on the sofa was awkward, so I said, This would be easier on the bed. We moved there, and the cuddle continued. We kissed. I've been wanting to do that for so long, I said. Well, a week. It wasn't a rip-your-clothes-off moment, but button by button we explored tentatively. I was the first to stray below the belt, pressing my hand against the firmness under his clothes. And then off came the shirts. He had a comfortable, inviting body, and a wonderful, very large cock, huge balls too. I indulged myself, feasting on him. We kissed, and it wasn't animalistic, but somehow loving and sensual. When I turned him over, I saw a magnificent big bum smooth like the rest of him. Neither of us wanted to fuck or be fucked, so after more kissing and hugging and sucking, we seemed to come to a mutual decision to settle down to sleep. That was easy, too. At one point I woke, and we were on our backs, side by side, and holding hands. Ah. Oh. I went down on him again for a while, without waking him, before falling back asleep. In the morning he got up and showered. There was much affection, much care and humour. I didn't realise before that I was into big bums. Perhaps I'm not. Perhaps it was just because it was Kyle's. He went back to his hotel. I went to work. Later that day he flew back to Toronto. We had a few messages in the days after that, and he was very complimentary. He said he'd be coming to London again in the new year. I hoped so. He was a lovely man. Well, of course he was. He was Canadian. I wondered what, if anything, would come of that in the future. Jan came for a forehands massage. A charming young man, jolly nervous. Angelo and I had now established a routine and moved confidently around the table, occasionally leaning over Jan's body to kiss. Angelo was hugely and constantly rampant. Oh, to be young and priapic again. In fact, this time I was hard, no problem. At the end of the hour's massage, I said, this would be easier there, and we moved on to the bed. We were a writhing mass of arms and legs and mouths and cocks. When the two of them were kissing and I was watching, I found it really horny at first. After a while, I said, Right, I'm officially jealous now, as if joking. But I wasn't. I tried to shift their positions to let me more into the action, but they were really into each other. We had already established that none of us wanted to get fucked, so we all jerked off over Jan's pale chest. They showered and left together. Was I really jealous? Yes, I was. The next day I messaged Jan to say I hoped he'd got home safely. He replied yes and said he'd had a great time. You both have great cocks, he said. Oh, sweet. He's 27, Angelo 24, so their combined age is 51. 13 years younger than me. Good grief. 
My Year of Bad Sex is written and read by me, Jonathan Izard. The music and studio production are by Andy Mills. My Year of Bad Sex is a Protocol production. <laughs>